Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. What Isaiah is, is speaking as God's mouthpiece right now is you are going to see an even better Yahweh than you thought. He's even better than we could have imagined. There's some new, new shades to the diamond of God's character. He's more beautiful, and he wants to speak pardon, and he wants to speak comfort to his people. Today we're going to introduce this, uh, three, three characteristics about Jesus, about this glory being revealed, the weightiness of these characteristics that we will go over the next six weeks. These characteristics are good, sovereign, and wise. This, we're going to spend two weeks on each one. They may sound pretty simple. Maybe these are things you've already thought about or learned before, but truths repeated are repeated for a reason. It's because they're usually the hardest ones to believe. So we're going to take some time to look at the, the goodness, the sovereignty, and the wisdom of God and realize that you can't, you can't separate one from the other two. They are intertwined, and it's important that we understand and believe all three. They actually play off. What if God is sovereign and wise but not good? Uh-oh. What if God is good and wise but he's not sovereign? He doesn't have the power. What if God is good and sovereign but he's not wise? These are the things that we're going to look at over the next six weeks. So let me pray, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of these characteristics more, a little bit more this morning. So God, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for revealing yourself, that we could behold you on, on your throne. Um, yeah, would you teach us this morning to wait on you and your character? In your name, amen. I'll go on in Isaiah. Isaiah 49 through 11. Go on up. To a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. So first thing I, I always point out, uh, cities are not man's idea. We didn't come up with cities. City was actually God's idea. The Bible starts in a garden and it ends in a city. We are meant to be in a city together. Cities are actually a place where the good news, the gospel is supposed to be proclaimed. Wouldn't that be amazing if New York City was confused with Zion? People were like, I can't wait to send my kid to New York City because they just love the Lord here. <laughs> Wouldn't that be insane? And would that be true? Oh, I pray that that would be true. I pray that we pray that it would be true, that New York City would be confused with Zion. But th the city is supposed to be a place where they say, behold your God, look, here is your God, right? And, and verse 10, dude doesn't skip leg day. He is strong, right? He, he, he rules with might. He only needs one arm. He is strong. So you're getting the sense of, okay, he's a mighty God. And then what's interesting is verse 11 follows this, like, strong picture, right? So you're thinking this, this huge bodybuilding God, and he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. What God lifts with his mighty arms is us. Earlier it says, speak tenderly. He's tender with us. He's not rough with us. You know, Oliver, as he continues to grow, uh, we, we, had, we had shots this week. Oh, my gosh. Every nurse that came in to, to that, like, they were like, oh, your kid is freakishly strong. 
yeah, he's only 22 pounds, but that dude, like, he, like, threw them off, and he wiggled his way out of it. And it's really hard, hey, kid, it's really hard, it's really, really hard to continue to be tender when your 22-year-old is punching you in the throat and throwing your glasses and, you know, God never reacts, reacts physically. He all, he's tender with us. He's perfectly tender. Isn't that amazing? Even when we're thrashing, he's tender. A gentle shepherd. Jesus himself called himself the good shepherd. Right? There's other, there's been other shepherds and there's other hired hands, but I am the good shepherd. Despite his sheep's rejection, they're wandering, right? One of the most famous things that's said about Jesus is he left the 99 to get the one. We sing a lot of songs about it. He is the good shepherd while the sheep reject and hate him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. While they reject, he cares about their forgiveness. He is tender. So the glory of goodness. There is a weightiness to the goodness of God. There is a weightiness to understand how good God is to us. This picture of a, sh- uh, of a shepherd is amazing. I learned a lot. Of, I, I think I've shared all the agricultural things about shepherds at Iowa State, but I- I'll share them again. Sheep without humans probably would die. When they fall over, they lock, their bodies actually lock up, and they could go into a heart attack unless someone picks them up and rubs their stomach and rubs their blood back, back into the rest of their body. There, sometimes sheep will continually do that. So what a shepherd has to do, this is crazy, and this is the most tender thing they do. They'll break a, a, a lamb's leg and carry it for the next four to six weeks so the sheep learns that it's safe with the shepherd and to stop doing, stop, stop falling off of a rock. To hold them for four to six weeks. What a beautiful picture. That's what Jesus says he is. God is good. Do I believe this? That he's gentle? That he's kind? This thought in Isaiah, this is one of the first times that we're ever introduced to the good shepherd in Isaiah. That he's tender, that he's caring. And do I, do I really believe that he's good? Do I believe that God is eventually going to destroy me? Right? This is something that, that we, might, we might sing God is good, we might, we might say it, but really deep down, don't, don't reflex answer, just answer, do I really believe that at some point God's going to want to destroy me? Or do I believe that he's the good shepherd? We're going to take a couple weeks of, of what it means that we trust that he's good. It's talking about his presence and his persistence. God is good. Let's, go, let's, let's keep going. Isaiah 40. I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses at you. Okay, I normally, I came from, like, someone was like, please keep verse, only read, like, six to eight verses. And so my first week as pastor, I'm going to read, I think, 21. So um, here we go. But, but what, what a huge picture we're about to get of our God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? That's, that's thumb to pinky. Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. We are just discovering more of God's palm. That's all we're doing. Like 13 billion light years away, that's just, that's, that's from here to here. That's what Isaiah is saying. This God is big. <laughs> Let's keep going. Behold the nations, this is verse 15, behold the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. 
Lebanon will not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. The combined strength and resources of every nation on the earth aren't even measurable on God's scale. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. The dynasties are a blip to this God. Just a blip. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created them. Who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name? By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. There's a way to summarize all these verses. The glory of God's sovereignty. Sovereignty means power over everything, dominion over everything. When you say God is sovereign, he is he is the final say, right? If you want to go speak to the manager, the manager's manager is God. He's over it all. The buck stops with him. He has the power to create life and uphold life. He has power over every nation, over all of history. He is sovereign. Jesus once said a crazy statement as he's just about to be peace out from earth. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Without a hint of irony, right? Not, not even like a, like, that's kind of funny. Like, could you imagine if another, another human being, if I stood up here and I said to you, no joke, y'all, I just got off the phone with God. Everyone's mine. Everything is mine. In fact, I can command the park to just fall into the river. Like, I have that power. Jesus said it without a hint of irony, and, he, and, and it was real. He backed it up because he had just beat death. He, like, walked out of the grave. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You might not immediately recognize sovereignty in there, but there's this fantastic, wonderful story in Mark where Jesus is presented with a lame man. This man can't walk, and the lame man walks up, and uh, Jesus says to him, son, your, your sins are forgiven. Now, I, you know, you could feel, I haven't watched The Chosen yet, so I don't know what it was actually like, uh, but I, I, you can feel the awkwardness of the room, right? Here's a guy who can't walk, and then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And they're all like, but, uh, like, the legs. We're gonna, we're gonna take care of the legs here. And he, and he noticed people in their hearts complaining. And he's, isn't that, isn't that, wha- that's sovereignty. He heard their hearts. That's terrifying. More than Superman has x-ray vision, Jesus has like x-ray peering into your heart stalks. And he said, which is easier? To, to say your sins are forgiven or to, to say you're healed and you can walk? Turning the tables on saying, I have the power to forgive cosmic eternal sins. I can do that. And then he was just like, fine, I'll throw you a bone. You can walk. And the guy walked out of there. Father, forgive them. This is not just a plea. This, this, this saying, Father, forgive them, comes with authority and the sovereignty of God that he has 
the ability to make the final decision that his forgiveness is final. God is sovereign. What do I believe God has power over? And what's still my domain? We're going to explore that in a few weeks. Last characteristic. Isaiah 40, 13, and 14. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the, and showed him the way of understanding? Justice is not something we came up with. Justice is not our idea. Righteousness, the right, the, the right understanding, the, these are not our ideas. These are not, and friends, the, the only thing I did read a whole lot of in college was, was, was ethics, was, was ethics in college, and a whole bunch of political science. And I can tell you, humans can argue themselves in circles about what is just. All the time. And, and, what philosophy professors like to do is they like to put them back to back to back and then trap you with your own words. It was awesome. Like, here, write a paper on why this is the best system. And then, like, remember when you said that? Aha! Here's a new guy. Like, come on, man. I just go to school here. Justice is not something we came up with. No one has to tell God, hey, you should think about it this way. God, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? What's happening right now? Have you thought about, about doing it a different way? Whatever's happening, no one taught the Spirit of the Lord counsel. Jesus is the cosmic king and judge, and he can weigh hearts, right? He saw into people's hearts. The glory of his wisdom. And with his wisdom, he said, with all the wisdom in the world, knowing every ways that you have been unjust, unfair, yourselves and others, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. It's one of the wisest things that Jesus ever said. Because he was willing to bear the penalty for that unjust action. God's pardon is not free. It's free for us, but it's not free. It costs God everything. This God that is being revealed in Isaiah is not a God that's naive, trivial, or trite. He's not just saying nice things. He's not saying comfort in, in, in a way that, that we sometimes we say to each other, right? We're like, it's okay. When inside I'm like, I have no idea how it's going to be okay. I don't know how I'm going to help you. This is a God who says, I'm speaking comfort to you because I am going to spill my blood. And at the moment of your betrayal of me, I'm still going to look you in the eye and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This is a better God than we could ever have hoped for. I go back to this idea of being exhausted and weary, of being so tired, wondering if, if anything's going to happen, and then that reflex, when you think about it, am I going to wait? Am I willing to wait on this Lord? Am I willing to wait on the good shepherd, the sovereign king, the wise judge, the one who holds me tenderly in his arms, the one with all authority in heaven and earth has forgiven me, the one who sees and judges rightly, 
has decided to, to take, the judge decided to take my place. <laughs> We're going to see that Isaiah 40 through 66 is about a fear. The glory of the Lord revealed plainly in Jesus. And I'm really excited to go about this. But I wanted to give you some time right now uh, before we sing our last song. Is I, I wanted you to think about these three characteristics and think, am I willing to wait on the Lord? I'm going to give you a minute of silence. How, how often do we get silent like this? I'm going to give you a minute, of, uh, just a, one full minute of silence. Am I willing to wait on this Lord and what's holding me? Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Jesus, I admit, often I do not wait. I keep trying. I don't trust you at times. Would you teach my heart to wait? And when I wait, would you help me to think about who you really are? the Lord I'm waiting on. Would you teach us, God, as a church, as a faith family, to wait on you? It says that we will renew our strength, that we'll get wings, <laughs> and that we will run and not be weary and walk and not faint. I believe, help my unbelief that that, that, that can be true. God, you are good. You are sovereign over all. You are wise, and you've chosen pleasure. Thank you, God.